0: Ladies and gentlemen, again, it is a great day to talk about 80s pro wrestling. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast, and I want you to say hello to the bad guy, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Tommy, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, yo. I hope you have a toothpick in your mouth when you do that, brother. No, I have a Slim Jim, actually. Well, you can snap into that as well. Our topic today is all about bad guys. We're going to be covering the heels of the 80s. But before we jump in to that hot topic, let's catch up with you, Tommy. You've just coming off a huge virtual signing just a few days ago on Monday night. You had the legendary, the iconic, the Hall of Fame Rock and Roll Express live. How was the signing behind the scenes? Awesome. They were
1: great guys. Both super cool. Both enjoyed being there. Uh, it, it was cool. They even, they even got to the, the, the hotel where we were we were taping at, they got there like two and a half hours early, which was cool. We had to hang out and BS for a long time and order dinner and stuff like that. So they, uh, they didn't want to go to the hotel cause I, I, I put all the wrestlers up at the hotel, at the airport, the airport to the filming hotel is about 35 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe, but it's easier for me to fly them out of. I mean, put them up in Newark that way just take a, take a shuttle to the uh to the airport the next morning instead of having to get up here and drive forty minutes back to the airport and and I film it i I film it right here in this town because I live in this town, so it's easier easier for me to grab all my stuff and carry it around and stuff like that so i I probably give you way too much information
0: than you need to know. The short answer is it was great. Listen, from a viewing standpoint, from a fan watching on this side of the screen, the signing just had, had great energy. Listen to these two guys, uh, both Robert and Ricky, just fantastic personalities. Ricky is such a great talker. Like, listen to them tell stories. Listen to just the one-liners that they would throw out as they're signing things. These guys, I don't think, have slowed down at all. And from watching the signing, they still love, what they do as much now as they did. were in the '80s. Did you get that sense from them that they just love this business? Big time, big
1: time. They they definitely uh, they definitely love it. They're, I mean, I'm, I'm sure everyone's doing it to make money, but for them, I think it's more than money. I, I think that they genuinely still love the business. They're still intrigued by it. They're still entertained by it. Ricky Morton asked me when when they got there on Monday. Hey, do you? Because there was an NWA pay-per-view the night before and he said hey you know if Trevor Murdoch won the NWA title last night I, I didn't know the answer but the fact that he wants to know what's going on in the business it shows that you know he's, he still follows it and he's still a fan of it those guys were awesome man they were super cool super down to earth signed a bunch of extra pictures for me for the store with no problem whatsoever they they were such a pleasure to have man I w- I would love to uh, bring these guys back up when we do a live uh, '80s wrestling con, which I'm sure will be sometime in the in the in the future. We're definitely going to be doing it. So uh, yeah, man, they were they were super cool, super friendly, and uh, anyone that never had an opportunity to meet them in person, that's a fan of them. I'd go out of your way to
0: meet them anytime they're in your area. They're super awesome. It's very cool when you get to see people who have spent that much time in the business and they're still as much in love with it today as they were then. They're not bitter about the business. They're they're, uh, very accomplished. They're thankful for everything they have. And so it was just a great virtual signing, a very fun one to watch. And you got some big ones coming up, Tommy. Uh, Why don't you just give us a quick rundown. What do you have coming up short term? What are you looking forward to? What's on the docket for 80s Wrestling Con?
1: Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, we
0: have a lot coming up. And anyone out there that hasn't took part in any of our
1: virtual signings yet, it's really simple. It, you, the wrestlers we have appearing live at the hotel, we we film it live for our Facebook page. So it's a Facebook live signing. So you go onto the Facebook page and watch them sign live, and you can interact in the chat. Jay, you, you know, you probably you'd be better to tell that part because I know that you, you're, you take part in all of them. What, what's it like as
0: as a viewer watching it at home and then i'll I'll fill in everyone how they can order yeah so it's absolutely if you haven't seen one um it's basically like you have a front row seat to the signing you have a front row seat to listen to these guys tell stories to see cool memorabilia to see awesome photographs and so you're watching that on your screen but at the same time right next to the screen there's a chat box and you see fans literally from all over the world we're talking about many countries and they're sharing stories they're sharing memories of the wrestlers they're asking questions and the host Ryan does an amazing job of picking out some of the great comments some of the great questions and getting the 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 wrestlers the talents to talk about it and then you see other people make comments and it's just it's, it's a community it's like a it's a feeling of togetherness that you're not the only one Uh, watching this. You're not the only one that remembers these guys from your childhood. There's a community around the world that is hooked into this and watching and sharing and talking live and so it's a blast. It is an absolute must-see for Monday Nights. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And uh,
1: you, you mentioned Ryan, the host. He does a fantastic job. He actually is... He makes it look so good and so easy because he is a genuine old school wrestling family, like, like we are, so he 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 probably knows what to ask these guys without even reading the chat because he wants to know the same thing that you guys want to know but uh he he's a comedian here in new jersey uh super great guy does a super good job for me and i'm I'm happy to have him as the host so if you haven't had the opportunity to actually see any of the old uh Uh, virtual signings you can head to our website it's 80swrestlingcon.com that's 80swrestlingcon.com on the bottom of the front page there's videos of all the past signings you can check out and uh, we didn't put rock and roll express up yet i gotta add that one i gotta send that over to you and uh for the future ones uh we have the head shrinkers coming up on monday june the 21st. That's going to be a super cool one. I'm really, really, really looking forward to that one, Jay. I was always such a big fan of their work. Uh, Sam Mu used to be my old ISPW world champion when I was running ISPW Wrestling in New Jersey back in the 90s, early 2000s, and I'm bringing that back also, Jay. We'll talk about that uh, maybe next week here on the show. And uh, and Rakishi, obviously one of the biggest stars of the Attitude Era together, the Head Trinkers. Uh, they're going to be signing tag team photos and singles photos, uh, both as Rikishi and Sam And you can order now 80swrestlingcon.com. Then you're going to tune in live on Monday, June 21st on our Facebook page. The Facebook page is uh, linked on our 80s Wrestling Con page. And then you watch them sign your picture. They'll give you a shout out. They'll hold up your picture for you. Or you can send in your, you still have time to send in your own merchandise as well, whether you have a Rikishi action figure or the Head Shrinkers action figures from the Hasbro series. And you can send them to us to, to get signed, and we ship them back to you after the signing. So uh, you still have time to do that, and it's really cool, man. It's it's really cool. Anyone around the world can watch it and take part in it. And what's cool about it is it's, you know, not everyone, you know, up here in New Jersey, Jay, it's oversaturated with events, but in, in some places like South Dakota or maybe, you know, uh, whaling or just any random place, the United Kingdom, there's not that many signings or things going on. So anyone can take part of this. And I'm not just saying it because it's, it's my event, but I can't stress enough how, how cool it is. And if you have a take part in one, you should definitely
0: do so. That is right. Cause not only do these wrestlers not necessarily come to your area, but with just the craziness of the world, travel isn't as easy as it once was. And so to be able to sit in the comfort of your own home and feel like you're having an intimate event with these superstars is absolutely incredible we appreciate all the hard work that goes in behind the scenes not just getting these guys there like you got to get them there you got to give them the hotel but the amount of pictures and the amount of memorabilia that you see getting signed during one of these signings just to keep that all straight and then to get it out to where it needs to go it more complicated than I could probably handle Tommy so thank you and your team I'll tell you
1: what there's a lot there's a lot of moving parts that go on behind the scenes that, that make these uh, signings happen a lot. If you want, Jay, maybe next week, if you want to, we can do a whole episode talking about the behind the scenes of how I set these signings up, what made me start doing it, what makes me continue doing it, me bringing back my ISW wrestling promotion, me promoting stuff in the past. If you want to do an episode where we could just you can just come up with a bunch of stuff to ask me and, and I can just give everyone a back, a backstory on, on my entire promoting career. If they weren't
0: a part of it or don't know much about it, I can do that if you want to do it. I think that's a great idea. I think people are curious uh, because all of us grew up as fans, but not, not all of us were able to turn our love of 80s wrestling into our livelihood. And you've done that. And not only do you do that, you continue to add pieces to it. And so I would love, I think our listeners would love to hear some behind-the-scenes stories about uh, how how this whole thing got started, how you decide what to do next, whether it's branching out to a brick-and-mortar store, you're bringing back an independent uh, pro wrestling uh, promotion, you got these signings going on, you just mentioned you'll probably look at doing another in-person signing soon. And so, yeah, I think that's a great idea. I think our listeners would love to get a glimpse behind the curtain, so to speak. All right, next week we'll do it let's do it but this week the topic at hand is the best heels the bad guys the wrestlers we love to hate growing up watching wrestling in what we refer to as the golden era the 1980s tommy i know in your heart of hearts you love the bad guys am i right oh yeah man absolutely So Let me ask you this, Tommy. Before we start naming names and going down memory lane about what we remember, I want to know, in your mind, what does it take to be an effective heel in the world of professional wrestling?
1: An effective heel in professional wrestling? I mean, uh, you, you look back to the 80s, and it's just completely different than what a heel is today. Uh, We talked about this on past episodes of the podcast, how they should just, you know, just copy everything they did back then. Because back then, everything worked and everything worked in a a big way uh, from telling stories that lasted more than one episode or one week. I mean, they they built up, you know, they planted seeds in your head for Hogan and, and Savage for a year previous, for Hogan and Andre, months and months and months and months before it happened. And back then, it was so great. Because the fans still believed. Uh, that's I think that's the big problem of wrestling today, Jay, and, and why a heel can't be a true heel that he was in the in the 80s. And that's because uh, the 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 mystique of it is gone. Um, you know, today you know they can see the the magician's tricks, and back then you couldn't. There was no internet back then. There was you know. There was no dirt sheets back then. There, were, there was no, you didn't know what was going to happen unless you were behind that curtain and in, in, in a part of the wrestling business. And I, I think that's the main reason why a heel is not effective uh, as a heel back in the 80s. You would never, ever, ever in a gazillion years see Rick Rude or Roddy Piper or Randy Savage or Jake Roberts, you know post a a picture of their hamburger on, on social media or, or, or or just like they don't, they just not just that, but like you, you see them in their real life on on their Instagram page or their Twitter page and their, or their Facebook page. And you could see that they're actually real people behind, you know, behind the, the camera. And when the camera stops running, you see them in their everyday life. You see them acting normal and smiling in pictures with, with friends and family members. You would never see that in the 80s. And I think that's a big problem why uh, you can't get a, a long storyline so effectively now in 2021 is because it's, it's, it's not a mystery no more. It's not a magician show. It's, it's, everyone knows what's going to happen. Everyone knows what's going on. Everyone you know, follows everyone's social media pages. It's, it's just completely, completely different. Hopefully that made
0: sense. No, I think you're absolutely right. Once you know how the trick works, it's no longer a trick. It's no longer entertaining enough to catch your attention and hold your attention. Now, as you were talking, you know, it made me think that we all know in this day and age that kayfabe is dead. But when we loved wrestling, we didn't even know what kayfabe was. We'd never heard that word. We didn't know that part of the business. Just on this past Monday night during your virtual signing, the Rock and Roll Express talked about how the heels, the bad guys, would not travel with the good guys. You would not stay at the same hotel. Your hotels would be across town from each other. If you walked into a Denny's for dinner and you saw a bad guy eating there as a good guy, you had to turn around and walk out and find a different restaurant, not even sit In the opposite side of the restaurant, you had to leave to protect the business, to protect that aura. So I think you're right. I think the fact that we are no longer believing in the business, that that we now recognize wrestlers as professional athletes, that they all most likely have some kind of personal relationship behind the scenes, that they all let us into their personal life, and right now, You could argue that there is no real true face and heels in the business, that everyone's in kind of this gray area where, yeah, they might do some heelish things. They might trying to, to appear to be a bad guy in front of the camera, but because we know how the trick works, we're no longer buying in 100%. So I think you're absolutely right. That part of the business has left, and that's a detriment to the business. That's a bad thing that we no longer have that, that we can no longer sustain our belief while we watch the program. So I think you're right on the money with that, Tommy. So let's focus then on the 80s. In the 80s, we were blessed with some of the greatest heel wrestlers that the industry has ever seen, and they came in different forms. You could have the monster heel, just a big brute, huge guy. You could have the anti-American, the anti-patriot. You could have somebody who's just arrogant and believes they're better than you. You could just have that evil, sinister character. And so there was a lot more to play with in the 80s. So let's jump in and talk about some of our favorites. Tommy, when we talk about heels during the golden era, what is one name that just pops right to the forefront of your brain? The Brooklyn Brawler. The Brooklyn Brawler from your neck of the woods up there in the, the <laughs> northeastern part of the country, man. I'm, only, I'm, only,
1: able- I'm always saying him because I, it was a shameless plug to say anyone that lives in the New Jersey area. Uh, the Brooklyn Brawler will be appearing at the Wrestling Collector this Saturday from 2 to 5 and the Tonga Kid. Uh, he was a heel as Tama from the Islanders. He kidnapped Matilda where a heel move! They'll both be appearing at the Wrestling Collector this weekend, uh, Brawler Saturday from 2 to two to 5, and uh, the Tonga Kids Sunday from 12 to 2, the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey. Sorry, Jay.
0: No pro- Hey, listen, man, I knew you were a heel at heart. Not only are you, <laughs> are you bringing some of the best heels of the business uh, into, your, into your store, but you interrupt uh, my question for a shameless self-promotion. That's a completely heel move, Tommy. I love it perfect
1: timing. <laughs> when I when I think of hail from the 80s, I mean god, there are so many good ones. Jay. I mean, we can just rattle them off probably for the next hour. Uh so many hills, so many great hills, and I, I I hate to put my finger on one uh to say uh this is the first person I thought of when you said hail from the 80s, but I guess if you had to put me on the spot and, and there's tons, the first person I think of though is Rowdy Roddy Piper.
0: I think that is one that comes to a lot of people's mind. And he was a heel wrestler for the way he talked, the way he carried himself. What about Roddy Piper do you think made him such a heel? So easy to hate because we hated him in the early eighties. What do you think about his character did that to us fans? His mouth, the way he spoke, the way he, you
1: know, the way he conducted himself, I think that the fact that he wasn't six foot five, that he wasn't three hundred pounds, that he wasn't jacked and cut up to shreds, he, he's a big guy. Don't get me wrong, but if you're if you're you know someone at home watching this guy talk all kinds of shit, you're probably saying to yourself, "Oh, I'd like to kick this guy's ass." You wouldn't say that to Andre the Giant because you know you can't kick Andre the Giant's ass, but you might have, if you were a, a decent sized guy and were tough, you probably thought, you know, I can stand a chance against Piper. And I think that's why he had so much heat on him, uh, not only because of the way he conducted himself and the way he spoke, because he was one of the greatest to ever do it, just that he wasn't a larger-than-life wrestler like some of the other guys that were on TV during that time. So, you know, the average construction worker at home sitting back on his recliner watching wrestling drinking a six-pack of beer... When Piper came out and started talking shit, he probably said, you know what, I can kick this guy's ass.
0: You know, I think that's a great point because this is the land of the Giants, at least in the World Wrestling Federation at this time. If you wanted to get a big push, you had to be larger than life. And Piper was one of those guys, like you said, compared to those Giants, he's undersized. Now, he could have went the route of being a babyface, where you kind of cheer for the underdog. This smaller guy has got a lot of gumption. He's taken on these giants, but he used that underside, matched it with his ability to talk and get under people's skin and became the hottest heel in the company. And so you're absolutely right. I think it was that people looked at him, maybe he didn't see a larger than life body, but he had that larger than life persona and he used it to get under your skin. Using your ability on the microphone to get heat is a great tool for a heel, and Piper, maybe the best ever at, at using the microphone to get under people's skin.
1: You do it every week. You get on the you're, you're on the microphone, getting heat and get under people's skins.
0: Listen, I'm no Piper, but uh, <laughs> I've been told my mouth can get me in trouble from time to time. Not with me, what Tommy Shika does all the time. Listen, we're going to talk about Tommy Sheik. He's my top heel of all time. The guy hates just because he loves to hate.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah talk about I would, it, The first person I would think of, I, I would say is Piper. Uh, he's the first guy that comes to my mind, but there were so many great heels in that time. I mean, how, you know, you can't, I would just say, you know, how Andre turned on Hogan and how Savage turned on Hogan, but you, you, you Well, first of all, the storyline with Hogan and Savage was just off the planet. Anyone can relate to, you know, thinking that uh, your best friend is trying to take your girl. Or I can't believe that my best friend would think I would try and take his girl. It was a story that everyone related to. The storytelling was perfect there, but I was about to say when Andre turned on Hogan. But you look back and and, and that and so many other big storylines all were successful because of Bobby the Brain Heenan. So when you're bringing the talk about heels, I know we had a, a known separate uh, episode on, on 80s managers a couple of weeks back, but you got to put Bobby Heenan up there as one of the, the greatest heels ever. Uh, he was just
0: absolutely fantastic. I will tell you this, Tommy. As I penciled in my list of the names that were coming to my mind, Bobby Heenan was the second name I wrote on my list. I think you're absolutely right. When you talk about the greatest heels of that era, even though he's a manager, man, he was a heel and he did it better than anybody at that time. And so I think you're absolutely right. When it comes to heels, yeah, he's a manager, but Bobby Heenan has to be on your list of greatest heels uh, to ever step inside the ring, to ever be involved in the world of professional wrestling because the way he carried himself, the way he talked, the way that he would interfere, the way that he would put the Heenan family above all other wrestlers. He always had somebody that he was pushing, always chasing a title, always talking about his guys being the best. You love to hate him. And it's funny because at the time, we don't, I don't think we appreciated what we had in Bobby Heenan. It's not until you're older and you look back and say, that guy was entertaining as all get out.
1: Oh, absolutely man. He was one of the greatest ever. So yeah, he has to when you're talking about 80s Hills, he has to be right. Even though he's not an actual wrestler, he has to be right at the tippity, tippity, tippity top of of top hills. Uh he was overall one of the greatest performers ever. Um but yeah, you think you think of 80s Hills, another guy, I mean, we another guy I got to think of is Rick Flair, the Nature Boy. I mean, you know, I don't mean you were WWF boys, but you know, he he was the king down there in the nwa and there wasn't a bigger hill uh,
0: in the business maybe in the 80s than, than the nature boy i think you're absolutely right he is high 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 on my list the dirtiest player in the game rick flair i think the thing that we forget about rick flair is because he's so entertaining that everybody absolutely loves Ric Flair. They loved to copy his promos. They loved to, you know, his limousine ride and jet flying. They loved to steal uh, the things that he would say. But he was a heel. He was saying these things to make other wrestlers seem less important, uh, less of a big deal. He was saying that he was as good as it gets. He was the top and everybody else really just couldn't measure up. And so we love these sayings of his. We all remember uh, his personality and his promos. But, yeah, he was a heel. And he entertaining is all get out, but he was a big-time heel in the 80s.
1: Absolutely. And another one that comes to mind right away as well, some of the greatest vignettes ever, some of the, the best promos ever as a heel during
0: that time, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. He was the very first name I put on my list. Because nobody loves the guy who has more money than you and isn't shy about letting you know it. And so what a heelish thing to do. And then when he would bring kids up to dribble basketballs or to kiss his feet, like just heel moves. And I love it because it's not your classic heel. It's not, I'm bigger than you. It's not anti-American. It's I have more money than you and I'm letting you know it. I mean, can you get more heelish than that, Tommy? No, you can't
1: because, you you know, I know, Jay, I know you have more money than me, but you never throw it in my face, so that's why you're a great
0: friend. <laughs> We've never talked about finances, just so people oh, know. I, oh, I, I know you're a brother. <laughs> but I will say, D.B. Aussie on screen was like Jay plain and simple. A a, a jerk. Jay has a yacht, by the way. Yeah, you know Minnesota. Uh, we're we're known for the land of ten thousand lakes, and uh, yeah, putting a yacht you know, on a lake is a I, I, is a I is a baller move. Of,
1: listen, one of my one of our listeners, Jay, they spotted you in in uh, Saint Cloud over the weekend, and you're on your private yacht with Baron von Reski. So don't bullshit me, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Listen, man, that would be a great way to spend a day on a boat with uh, Baron von Raschke. I tell you what, you get
1: that booked, I'll fly down there for the weekend. <laughs> Me, you, and Baron, and maybe we get Boris Zoukov
0: too to come. <laughs> Listen, I'm a, I'm game. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> boat in oh
1: brother, boat in with Baron. Let's do it,
0: dude. That could Morris. be a, that could be a. We got to call take up Baron. Uh, we'll be boat in with Boris. Look at you, dude. You've got to pitch this to some kind of network. The WWE Network. Call them up. Yeah, either way,
1: can we do BW, let's, let's copyright BWB. If we can't get Baron, we'll get Boris. If we can't get Baron or Boris, we'll get Brutus.
0: Brutus would be up for it. Yeah, I'm sure he would be. He would be. in with Brutus, I like it. That's not a bad listen, you got to make some phone calls after this you get a, you get a haircut while you're on while you're on the yacht yeah, I would definitely be up for a haircut. I'm getting a little long on top open
1: bar open bar, an open barber chair <laughs> all right let's get let's get back to business here so yeah, with teddy DiBiase, uh i mean the vignettes he used to do with him you know having a kid dribble a basketball nine times and he kicks out on the tenth. You know, giving someone money to do something bastardly, they do it, and then he takes the money back. I mean, just I was watching something in, in the story yesterday. I, I had on an old wrestling challenge when he first debuted, and he gave some jobber money to wrestle the other jobber because he didn't want to wrestle. And I, 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 mean, I hate to say the word jobber, right? enhancement talent. And the other guy beat him, and then he took he took the hundred dollars back out of the guy's tights after he lost. So I mean, stuff like that was classic and the vignettes that he he filmed were classic and another person that filmed absolutely phenomenal vignettes as well and i'm sure he's high up on your list too jay for top heels uh in the 80s was mr perfect
0: i've shared with you in the past that mr perfect was the first heel wrestler that as a kid i actually found myself cheering for and getting behind and it's because He was a tremendous in-ring performer. His promos were entertaining. And so I had a hard time not liking the guy. But, yeah, I mean, just calling yourself Mr. Perfect is enough of a move to make you a hated heel during this time. And then those awesome vignettes where he'd be playing basketball, golf, pool, and he's sinking every shot. I don't know. There was something about him that I just absolutely loved. But, yeah, he's a top heel because he's always on the heel side of things at this time in life. And so he was a bad guy, but he was a bad guy I actually loved as a kid.
1: Yeah, I was, I was a big, perfect man as well. Um, You know, back then, you know, they they were able to, you know, persuade you through their storytelling of who to like and who not to like, but I'm with you, Jay. He was one of the guys, who was a heel, but you just, he was so good and so entertaining it was hard not to like him. And uh, eventually, you know, he, he, he did turn, uh, Babyface during the, the latter stages of his first run in WWF, and he was. He, I'm with you, man. When I told you when I used to play the the arcade game, I would always pick him and in, in Ultimate Warrior as as my tag team.
0: Yeah, Perfect was just such a good in-ring performer. He looked so good with the Intercontinental Title uh, when I was a kid that yeah, I just loved to cheer for him. He had great matches with everybody, and the Perfect Plex. Was just such a such a fun pin, pinning move. I would do it to my wrestling buddies growing up. A uh, little harder to get your brothers in it because you know they would fight out of it. But the wrestling buddy, I'd always perfect plex him and get the win.
1: Nice, nice. Another another one up there as well. You got to think of when you're you're starting to rattle off these names. Obviously, I mean, I mentioned Randy Savage earlier, and, and that goes without question. Him as the Macho King, uh, one of the the, the greatest heels ever one of the the greatest baby faces ever just one of the over overall greatest performers ever but you know you think of macho man you got to remember his his heel run as well with with scary sherry and 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 turning on hogan and wrestling him at wrestlemania six i'm I'm sorry wrestlemania five and then you know um he just he was just the best of both worlds and then piper too when piper turned baby face uh, Piper was super over as a babyface too, but that's because he did such a good job uh, as a, as a heel. And, and, and same with Savage Man when he he eventually turned back again. He is someone that you know. He, there's there's only a few people you could probably think of on on one hand that had super successful runs as a heel and a babyface. Let, let's let's try and rattle off a couple: Hogan, uh, Piper, Savage. You know, these guys are
0: are right up there at the tippy top. Andre the Giant, I thought about heels, how about Andre the Giant? You're absolutely right. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter made a terrific heel. Uh, No more as a baby face. You know, the thing about everybody you're mentioning that had success on both sides is because of their intensity and their believability, they went all in to their character, whether they were supposed to be a heel or a face. And so the commitment they had to their characters, Macho Man especially, like, he was so intense. Whatever side he was on, you 100% believed it. Absolutely, man.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and then, and then, you see when uh, who else was a great heel? Paul Orndorff. And I know that we always mention this. That this was my favorite angle ever, and it is. But he was a great heel, man. Him, and when he, when he, when he turned on Hogan, and when he would used to come out to Hogan's Real American Song, uh, with his robe on, and just he was. Fantastic. He was awesome. He he's someone that I think would have should have been the world champion at that time.
0: That Imagine as the, run as the world champion. He would have been awesome as a heel as the champ. He would have been fantastic as a world champion because the turn against Hogan is iconic. The fact that Mr. Wonderful has the build that he does and he kinda has that arrogant, smug look on his face. Uh, So he can really make you hate him without having to do a whole lot. Now, he was also a fantastic worker when it came to inside the ring. But, yeah, to betray your best friend, to turn your back on Hogan, big-time heel heat when he did that.
1: Yeah, man. That formula worked back then. You know, you you had Orndorff do it to Hogan. You had, you know, Andre do it to Hogan. You had Savage do it to Hogan. You had
0: Sid do it to Hogan. You could have had Sheik Tugboat do it to Hogan. They were talking about it, and like <laughs> you said, they would have found a way to make it at least work. I, I it think wouldn't so. have been, it wouldn't have been as good as what we got, but they would have at least done their best to make it work. Yeah,
1: so let's let's continue our conversation about uh, wrestling hills of the '80s. I mean, how about King Kong Bundy? He main at WrestleMania two against Hulk Hogan, obviously. Uh, you know, Bobby Heen was his heater, great talker for him. Uh, got Bundy a lot of extra heat. He's someone, and I know we've mentioned this in the past as well. But I just want to have to make mention of it again. It just mind boggles me that he is not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, he main evented WrestleMania two uh, for the world title against Hulk Hogan. How is he not in the Hall of Fame? Seriously, how 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 can anyone? I mean you bring him in, bring him in, demolition but like this guy was in the main event of WrestleMania 2 against Hogan how is he not in the Hall of Fame
0: That's a very good question cuz not only did he main event WrestleMania 2 but he was a trusted performer cuz Vince McMahon would bring him back in the 90s to wrestle the under like he he had a long career and they would bring him back and put him in main event spots I'm assuming because he was a trusted worker and probably a a good guy behind the scenes. But when it comes to monster heels in the 80s, like you said, WrestleMania 2, they're trying to build off of WrestleMania 1. They're trying to keep the upward momentum going. You need a big heel to take on Hogan in your main event. And they turn to King Kong Bundy, who is kind of in the same line as Andre the Giant. Just this big, oversized, Monster of a man, not all muscled up, just a big, heavy dude, and they're locking him in a cage. With Hulk Hogan is the main event to the follow up to the initial WrestleMania. That's a that's a huge spot and a huge responsibility, and he did a fantastic job in that match.
1: Yeah, and the storytelling in that match also previous where you know Hogan, you know he broke Hogan's ribs and just the whole setup of it was good. It just boggles my mind that he's not in the Hall of Fame and. Uh, Another person we need to to mention as a a top heel from that time was his former tag team partner, Big John
0: Studd. I don't think Big John Studd gets the recognition that he deserves. I know a lot of times we ask Tommy Fiera, overrated, underrated. What do you think about Studd? Super underrated, right? Super underrated. You don't hear hear his name enough. You got to remember,
1: he was not Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon, he was the first line of the LJN figures, you know. He he even goes back; they haven't won the Royal Rumble. Uh, so I mean, he, he had a big career. He, his feud with Andre, uh, he was a big part of '80s wrestling, and it's someone you don't you don't ever really hear his name mentioned in conversation. We talk about '80s wrestling, and he was right in the the midst of all of it. So I mean, yeah. I mean, how about WrestleMania two? Him and uh, Refrigerator Perry at the end there at the Battle Royal, like. He played a big part in, in in the early success of the WWF from eighty five and eighty six. That era, yeah, you don't you don't you don't hear his name
0: mentioned uh, enough. He was he was a big he was a big star then. He was a huge star, like you said. He had he was part of the first line of the LJNs. He was part of the thumb wrestler line that also came out at that time. So I had two Big John Stud toys the big, in my collection. The
1: big the big, the the
0: 80s. big, the big glasses. The big uh,
1: drinking glasses, he was on one of those as well. Yeah. Do you have those? I do I
0: I do do have them, yeah. That would be an awesome thing to have. Do you have them in your personal collection or are they for sale at the store? Personal collection. Nice, man. Way to go. That would be, yeah, I should jump on eBay because those things were awesome. The old cartoon pictures of, yeah, the wrestlers from the 80s. But, yeah, Stud, you never hear his name, and you should. You know, and I don't know if it has something to do with the fact that him and Andre were both, giants at that time and and Andre's just a better known one so he kind of overshadows stud but stud had a terrific career and he was a mainstay in the world wrestling federation during this time the body slam challenge like there's so much good stuff about big john stud
1: absolutely man absolutely um trying to think of other names i mean there's, there's so i don't want to leave anyone out there's so many different uh contributors from that from that era from from awa uh you talk about other wrestling promotions as well. I mean Nick Bakwickle was a huge uh part of the success of the AWA as a hill back then. Uh you you look at the NWA obviously Flair, uh but there's other ones as well, obviously. You look through the history, you know, Tully Blanchard and, and the Minette Express and, 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 and the and the guys working down there as Hales. and you know, you look you look elsewhere to, you know, world class championship wrestling. When the the freed were hot heels against the Von Erichs, so I, I know that we always we always talk about just WWF, and that's primarily what we're going to talk about. Not because we're being biased, just that that's what me and Jay grew up on, and that's what we watched ninety five percent of the time. So I just want I want to make mention real quick before we continue. If we don't mention guys from another promotion, it's not it's not being done maliciously. We 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 know how great of performers they were as, as heels, and just we're just WWF mind.
0: You, is that is that sound about right, Jack? That's very fair to say. Now, I will tell you one of my favorite heels as a kid. Now, this guy did end up spending some time in the WWF, but his WWF run was nowhere near what he did outside of the World Wrestling Federation, and that's Big Van Vader. Oh, Vader yeah. was a monster, man. He was monster, monster, 6'4", about 450 pounds, but agile like a cat. And he was a huge heel in WCW big Godzilla-type structure when he would go over to Japan, so just a monster heel that did his best work out of the World Wrestling Federation, but Vader as a heel in the 80s was amazing. Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen, another one, who amazing heel, huge in Japan, just vicious, stiff in the ring, scary as all get-out, intimidating. Stan Hansen. Uh, That was darn good, Tommy. That was darn good. We might have to, instead of calling up Tommy Sheik, who always hangs up on me, maybe I have to ask Zeus a question. <laughs> <laughs> no. And now that, now that you've
1: planted that into our listeners' heads, they're going to want Tommy Zeus next week.
0: Tommy Zeus. Uh, let's talk about Zeus, because obviously, not a pro wrestler by trade, Hollywood actor, but... They brought him over to promote No Holds Barred, Hogan's first big-time WWF-produced movie. movie. And let me tell you something, though. They did a tremendous job of taking this actor and turning him into a very hot heel for a very short time. But let's talk about that character, Zeus. How, how fun was that as a kid to see that on your television?
1: Jay, I was legit scared when he showed up on WWF TV. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was the end of Hulk Hogan. I I saw the movie, and Hogan won in the movie theater. And when he showed up on TV, though, man, I was legit scared. I'm like, oh, my God, he's coming back for Hulk Hogan. And I was legit terrified. Uh, So, yeah, and I'm sure kids my age that were hooked, line, and sinkered on the storyline probably thought the same thing. It was effective. I I think that they used him the right way because – you know, he, he, he was very, 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 very limited of what he could do, and they knew that, and that's why they only booked him in a couple appearances. But the way they used him, and, you know, he wasn't in the ring the whole time. He was in tag team situations. Uh, I, I think that it was very well done. I think I think that I would have, during that time frame, you couldn't have do a WrestleMania match, obviously, because that was what? That was during, like, WrestleMania 5 or 6, what year, what year did I come out, 89? Yeah, Savage had already turned heel with Cynthia yeah. Sherry. You're yeah. not going to do, wrestle, do WrestleMania with Hogan and Zeus because there's other, other more marquee matches to do. But, I mean, that would have been a big deal uh, if you would have had a Hogan-Zeus one-on-one match at,
0: at one of those pay-per-views, you know? And I think maybe that was their initial hope. But like you said, he was just very limited on what he could do. But what they did with him like you said, came across the screen as being very real to us wrestling fans. And so we bought into it and like you said, we thought that this might be the guy to end Hulkamania.
1: Yeah. I mean and, and that's that's the good storytelling back then with Hills is that you pretty much thought every Hill was gonna be the next guy to destroy Hulkamania. And, you know, they did a good job in, in making you believe that. And uh that's that's what just hills from that time frame. Uh, Nikita Koloff was a great hill, and he had his program with Magnum TA. I mean, there, there's other guys besides WWF guys. I'm sure that we're we're fitting we're forgetting a lot of WWF guys. I'm not forgetting them, but just not gonna have time to obviously mention everyone. But uh, I, I think that it all comes. Uh, Terry Funk. How about Terry Funk? Uh, Terry Funk when he you know he he was a great hill during that time frame. I mean, there's there's a ton of guys. But I think the big thing, Jay, is, and, and I can't stress this enough, is that I think that we, 30 some years later, look at 80s hills still to this day uh, and just have this radio, uh, this podcast in general because of, you know, back then when we were kids, man, that that was, you like I said, there was no internet, there was no dirt sheets, there was no podcast. There was no way to find out what was going to happen until you sat down on that chair and you watched it happen on your TV. And I think that we all, the kids still inside of me, the kids still inside of you, the kids that are still inside of everyone listening to this right now, they want to go back to that. They want to relive their childhood because they can't do that with wrestling in 2021. And that's why 80s wrestling is still so popular why people listen to an eighties wrestling podcast while while tons and tons and tons of people follow all my eighties wrestling accounts, it's because they miss everything about that time frame. And Hales was a
0: big part of it. You're absolutely right. You're very well said, Tommy. Uh and before we get to start to wrap it up, there's two other names on my penciled in list here. And like you said, there's too many from too many different promotions that you can't – there's no way you can give everybody a mention or, or discuss them. And a lot of them that we're forgetting, they deserve to be mentioned, and they deserve to be in the conversation. Uh, but we're just kind of calling it in the ring, the ones that are popping up in our mind. And so there's two more on my list that I'd love to just mention, one of those being Ravishing Rick Rude. Now, he's a heel – just for the way he carried himself and just for the way he addressed the crowd. He was the guy that, that men in the audience hated to see, but the women loved to see in the ring.
1: What I'd like to have right now is for all you fat, out of shape, inner city sweat hogs. Keep the noise down. While I take my robe off and show you what a real man
0: supposed to look like. Hit the music. What a heel move to tell the guys in the crowd, you're not a real man. Let me show you what a real man looks like. And then to have the your girl that- who's attending the show with you get excited and hoot and holler and take photos, that's super heel.
1: Man, I can't believe we just, we're, we're talking about how we're forgetting so many people.
0: Rude, we didn't mention. about Honky Tonk Man. How the heck did we not mention the Honky Tonk Man? He's the next one that I was bringing up. He's the other name on my list. Honky Tonk Man is just your classic, classic heel.
1: Absolutely, and 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 you asked me earlier what signing I was most looking forward to. I forgot to answer that earlier when you when we, at the top of the show when we started. The Honky Tonk Man signing. He's going to be signing on Monday, September the uh, twenty, I believe. Eight. I don't really have my calendar for me. The last Monday of September. Uh, you go to Eighties Wrestling Con com now and uh, yeah he he's probably the one I'm I'm most looking forward to uh, he's he's definitely controversial he's definitely one of the greatest heels uh, of that time frame
0: and he's one of these characters that a lot of heels you could given the right right circumstance turn him face and people would uh, go along with and maybe cheer I don't know if that would have ever worked for Honky Tonk in this period of his career just the way he carried himself the way he looked, the way he sang, like he was just so heelish. He was so gifted at being that guy that people thoroughly enjoyed booing and, and hating on, uh, the Elvis impersonating gimmick. Like it just was heel from head to toe. They, um,
1: classic. They, 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 have, they, have, they originally brought him in as a, as a, as a baby face and it just didn't take off. And then they, they turned them heel shortly after that. Um, but yeah, any, anyone out there that wants to get an autographed picture personalized to you from the Hockey Talk Man, you can uh, order it now for our upcoming signing with him. It's 80swrestlingcon.com. Another, another name we didn't mention, Jay, uh, in he had a talk show as well,
0: is uh, Adorable Adrian Adonis. His career is one that really interests me because he goes from this like Harley Davidson biker gimmick to the adorable Adrian Adonis gimmick that he might be more well-known for. I mean, that's what the LJ in action figure was. But he was pushing envelopes at the time when it really wasn't done too much in mainstream. And so to see him portray the type of character he was and the heel things he would do. And then uh, when Randy Orton's dad, Cowboy Bob Orton, Joined him and donned a pink cowboy hat. Like just super cool heel stuff that really got that character over. So thanks for bringing him up. That's a great name. Don Don Morocco. Super heelish. Great, great, great name to bring up. Uh, superstar Billy Graham had a great uh, heel run as the villain um, back in the late 70s, uh, very early 80s.
1: Yeah, I, I, like you said, Jay, I think it's going to be impossible for us to uh, to give you a, a rundown of every hill because there's just so many of them, especially during that time frame uh, and and the podcast is only so long, so I'm sure there's a, a ton of people uh, that we did not mention. a big boss man, a big boss man, uh, hail and a face talking about how people could do both roles. Uh, George Animal still, same thing, hail and face. Uh, he he did both as well and did both effectively. I know there's so many out there that we probably didn't even scratch the surface with, but uh, I know one guy that we didn't bring up, Jay, that uh, you're going to probably catch a little bit of heat from, and you did not mention the Iron Cheek.
0: It's on my list, Tommy. I just was tiptoeing around that name because I know what that name leads to. But since you brought it up, Yes, the Iron Sheik is one of the most classic heels of all time. It, this is back when the WWE would often put the anti-American character as the ultimate villain in the company, uh, defeating Bob Backlund for the world title, helping launch Hulkamania. So the part that the Iron Sheik played in the landscape of wrestling is huge. And, yes, one of the greatest heels of all time. Helped Sergeant Slaughter later on in the career with his heel run. But I think I, think I know where you're going. You, you want me to ask a certain individual about what his thoughts are uh, on heel wrestlers?
1: If you want to. We'll I mean, if you, I mean, another, another name that came up that I forgot. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to forget it. Uh, Rick the Model Martel, even though it was early 90s, his, his character was fantastic as well.
0: It was fantastic. The model character, the arrogant, can of arrogance, the way he carried himself. The, I'm, see, in the 80s, any time that you would have a character that was somehow saying, I'm better than you, uh, you don't measure up, that was a classic heel move. And they used it with Rick the Model. They used it with Ravishing Rick Rude. I mean, Million Dollar Man is saying he's better than you. Mr. Perfect's name says it all. And so that was a classic thing a heel could do was tell the viewing audience, that I'm better than you.
1: Absolutely, man. But uh yeah, you you did not mention Iron Cheek. He's actually sitting here across from me at the desk right now. And <laughs> has he been listening? <laughs> it look, looks can kill.
0: Talk about a heel. Oof. Oof. All right. Well, if, if if he's willing to talk, I would love to get his take on what it takes to be a good heel. Uh Cheek. Hello? 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 Hello, Mr. Sheik, sir. This is Jumpin' Jay from 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Thanks for coming First on again. like to
1: say hello to all the wrestling fans all around the room. They're all not of them. Not in uh, no, when I
0: talk, you don't
1: When but I you sure. don't talk. You're not talking. First of all, I'd like to say hello to all the wrestling fans all around the room they not the real chump. You talk about fucking heel? I'm the fucking real heel,
0: motherfucker. I'm the heel.
1: This is bullshit.
0: Sheik, she, do you... Uh...
1: No more questions.
0: I didn't. I actually didn't ask a no question. Questions. I, I didn't even ask one yet. I was just...
1: No more question.
0: I welcomed you to the show is all no. I did.
1: He's gone, man.
0: He's gone. I, I just, I did,
1: Tommy, I didn't even ask him a question. I just welcomed him to the show. Well, I think he was a little offended that he's a, a, a 80s heel WWF World Heavyweight Champion. And you told me, he heard you, he was sitting here, that you had two more names on the list. It was Rick Rude and Hoggitonk Man, and not him. So he, you just saw his face lit up redder than a light on a Christmas tree. It's
0: it, well, it, it, listen when when you talk to him later, tell him he wasn't the right. the no, more letter, motherfucker. no more letter.
1: This is last time that, that I'm sick of coming this fucking piece of shit podcast. Bullshit. That's. Well, you you heard it here uh first. This is the last time uh Tommy Sheik is gonna be appearing on, on the podcast, Jay, so that's it. He's leaving.
0: Well, that that's too bad. I, I mean, I feel bad. I just I didn't I didn't even get to ask him a question. But I guess if he's not willing to come back next week, maybe you could make a phone call and see if Tommy Zeus
1: <laughs> is available. That's, that's
0: funny. Tommy Zeus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I what, if I get if I can get what, If I get ten DMs from now to next week saying Tommy Zeus, I'll i i Tommy Zeus will make his debut next week here on, on uh Or Bushwhacker Tommy. <laughs> 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 You guys tell me, you want Bushwhacker, she, Tommy Sheik's retired after tonight. Uh, you either tell me if you want Bushwhacker Tommy or Tommy Zeus.
0: I don't think we can lose with either one, so I can't wait for what the listeners come to you and DM you with.
1: <laughs> all right, that was a fun episode, man. We could talk all day about uh, 80s Wrestling Hills, and uh, yeah, I just, they're such a huge part of our childhood. They're such a huge part of our memories. Uh, if, if you couldn't have a Hulk Hogan, or you couldn't have an Ultimate Warrior, or you couldn't have, you know, a Macho Man as a kid to get behind, if you didn't have these heels, so they played just as an important role in uh, the
0: product as, as as the good guys did. You're absolutely right. It takes great heels to make great baby faces, and we were blessed in the '80s to have the best of the best in both worlds for sure, Tommy.
1: Yeah, man uh Until then, I hope that you have a uh great weekend. you and your family on your private yacht with baron von ressky and uh <laughs> I will look forward to uh talking next week I guess next week we'll we'll run down uh the behind the scenes of me doing stuff in the wrestling business. I know that we love it we talk a little bit here and there on on the on the podcast about you know what I do, but we you know we we try to keep it you know strictly about eighties wrestling, so i never really on I, I never really on this podcast yet uh talked about you know, me working in the wrestling business. So uh, it could be a very interesting episode next week.
0: I look forward to getting a peek behind the curtain and kind of learning uh, what brought you to this point and, and where some of your plans are for where you're going. So thanks for letting our listeners uh, have that privilege next week. Thanks, man. I I
1: appreciate everyone. And until next week, uh, we will see you right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. (laughs)